You're listening to the Teak Nation Podcast, where we strive to educate, inspire, and entertain you with tips and lessons from frauders and friends of TKE. Teak Nation Podcast listeners, welcome in. It is March 1st. I thought that uh, March had just concluded not too long ago, and and suddenly here we are, right back in the middle, right back in the middle of it. So, uh, I guess that's good news. Spring starts in March, which which makes you a happy man, Donnie. Getting that getting that weather turned around a little bit, uh, going straight to the straight to the MCL early bird crew discussion. But uh, it is uh, it is you know it's getting a little sunnier, a little nicer out, and and spring is almost upon us. Yeah, the, uh, I sent you a screenshot of what the Weather Channel is posting, which is that we're going to have above average temperatures in the month month of March, which makes me extremely happy. The interesting slash, I guess you would say, uh, unique marker in March is we are going to mark one year since the pandemic has started and all of our lives have been upended in one way or another. Yeah, maybe that'll be uh, a good episode in the next few weeks is a little pandemic year in review. Because uh, I think if, if you would have you'd have told me a year ago that the next year would play out like it did, I probably would have slapped you in the face. And uh, it's just the, the unpredictability of life. It's been a, it's been a rough one, but yeah, I, I still remember, I think it was March 22nd was our was our last day in the office. And so we're getting up on that one year anniversary, sitting here at, uh, at the homestead and in front of my laptop. And, you know, the, the things that I've learned about Zoom and YouTube and podcasting in the last year have really, uh, well, they haven't quite counterbalanced all the, the negatives of the last year, but there is there's a little bit of, of positive to that, I would say. I think the other positive is the Johnson and Johnson vaccine. Saul is getting emergency approval over the weekend. So we're going to have three vaccines. That's crazy to imagine as well, right? A year ago, coronavirus was something that we were starting to hear about, but it didn't have any sort of seriousness to the level that it, it had in later March. And here we are a year later, three vaccines for something that usually vaccines take years upon years upon years. So amazing folks out there in the medical industry. Yeah, I'm ready to go. I, I mean, if someone showed up at my at my doorstep this afternoon, knocked on my door and was wearing a like a, a lab coat with a needle and said, I got your COVID vaccine right here, I'd roll my sleeve up, get a Band-Aid ready to go and and just say, let me have it. I, I am I'm all in on the vaccine and I don't even I, you know, I don't even need to go to clinic. Just start going door to door and stick. Yeah, I feel like and, I feel, right. I, I don't think that that is the strongest medical advice and and i would hate for any of our listeners to decide that's a good idea to just you know random guy in a white coat shows up with a syringe to let him insert it in your arm door to door i don't think that's actually I, i'm going to go on record that's not a good idea that's a risk i'm willing to take at this point i mean you gotta you gotta pick and choose your risks in life and and that's one of them although i i, I would be surprised if at this point any of our listeners are taking my medical advice seriously. So I, if you are, I think you're too far gone at, at this point. I, I, don't, I don't know how to help you if the things that I say about how to take care of your body are gospel to you. But uh, for me personally, I'm just, I'm ready to, ready for that needle. Well, hopefully they continue to do a great job on distribution, ramp up distribution, probably the best way to put it, ramp up yeah. distribution and get it, get it to where we can start to take the vaccine and that will really get life back to normal and get folks out comfortable traveling and doing all the things that they enjoy doing. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm ready to go for leadership Academy too. We gotta, we gotta get that squared away before August for, for leadership Academy. Two weeks, two weeks from today is the application deadline for leadership Academy. Get them in. Don't wait until March 14th at 10 57 PM to get your application in. Cause it's not going to be very good because guess what? I've read a lot of applications that have been submitted on March 14th at 10 57 PM. They're usually pretty poor. So uh, just 
if this is one area I would listen to me. Medical advice, not so much. Leadership Academy application advice, I am probably one of the foremost experts in, in all of Teak Nation. Additional advice, really focus on that narrative. That narrative is an opportunity for you to highlight what you have done in the fraternity, what you want to do in the fraternity, what you want to do in life, how you're going to take advantage of this tremendous experience. These folks who come and share their knowledge, download their brains to you. It is a phenomenal week out in Colorado Springs. And if you want to be a part of it, make sure you beef up that narrative. And we're going to freaking do it. We're going to do it. I will be very upset if we don't. All right, what else we got going on today? We got, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a little NBA Top Shot update here in a few minutes. I know that's been uh, on the forefront of everyone's mind for the last week. Uh, fun rule of three planned in a little bit. Zach will be with us. And then we have a, have a fun little interview here coming up with Frauder Joe Santangelo. Joe is a, uh, a team member on Team Gary V, works for Gary Vaynerchuk and helps with his podcast and as a content creator. Um, and we, uh, we, we get into a lot of different topics with Joe. He is, uh, he's from Staten Island, which is uh, very apparent in the first few minutes that we're on the interview with him, but uh, looking forward to that later as well. First, though, I do have a small bone to pick with Teak Nation. Uh, we, out of the kindness of our hearts, opened up the comments on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter after last week's episode about uh, your movie takes and we asked everyone to share what their, their worst movie experience was. Didn't get a lot of hits. Uh, and unfortunately, the one that we did, or one of the, the few that we did get was Eric T., who I don't even know. There's probably a lot of Eric T.'s across Teak Nation. Um, and he said the worst movie he's ever seen was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is just the most ridiculous thing that I've ever heard in my life. I don't, I don't even know where to start with that. I don't know if he was trying to troll me because I was talking about how much I love Leo. Uh, I don't know if he watched the movie uh, blindfolded or with headphones on listening to another movie. Um, but I, you know, if you're going to engage with us on social media, don't engage in such a manner that, that makes you seem like a fool. So Eric, if you're listening, uh, I can't even say I respect your opinion. Um, Thank you for, for commenting. Please go watch that movie again and uh, and just change your mind. Eric, I want to thank you for listening to the Teak Nation podcast and commenting. Hopefully you reach out to a number of your other friends to comment as well. We appreciate all those who are engaging. And that's all? You don't have a, you don't have a take on Eric's take? I don't know if you've seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, have you? I just, I find it's, it's ironic that you, you ask for people to give takes and highlights. Eric steps up, does what others don't, and gives a take. You come out like Dan Dockett's just throwing, throwing fire. There's a topical reference that I think not a lot of people understand, but quick Google search for. Hey, he was trending last night on Twitter. He was trending in the United States. He was, he was everywhere. I couldn't, couldn't look at Twitter without reading about Dan Dockage last night, which was another miserable experience. But um, no, I, I appreciate that Eric, that Eric commented. I just, I think it was a little short sight. I mean, look, that movie is not for everyone. I understand that. There are some things about it that are a little strange, uh, but it's not the worst movie of all time. I, I just, I don't know how you could watch that movie and think I've never seen a worse movie than this. I mean, just the Brad Pitt performance alone elevates it into at least like second worst movie of all time. Just pick a new worst. I don't care what it is. So uh, maybe, maybe Eric's got a different catalog of movies that he's tuning into, right? He's not watching some of the horrible flicks that you and I have to be subjected to at times. I guess that if, if the only movies you've ever seen are Godfather, Godfather Part 2, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood then yes. Okay. Then yeah, sure. Maybe Once Upon a Time in Hollywood would be the worst movie that you've ever seen. Yeah. You don't know that Eric T is even a, a broader. I mean, he might be six years old. He might've only seen those three movies. If he was six years old, I would expect that his movie catalog would be like uh, Paw Patrol, Rescue, uh, Bubble Guppies, uh, something to do with Blippy and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And I, you know, I would probably put Blippy a category below. Do you, do your kids Blippy? Can't uh, that guy just? No, cre- no. Yeah. I have no idea what you're talking about. But it here's the interesting part. See, this is what you got to think about. If if he is six years old, if Eric is six, 
And those are the things he's watched. And then he watched, right? Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Then it would be the worst movie he's ever seen because he's into Paw Patrol. Yeah, There's not animation, right? It, the storyline seems complicated. It's a Tarantino film. There's just a lot going on there where you probably, you would be more into the Paw Patrol. Also, shout out to Eric for creating and activating and utilizing a Twitter account at six years old. That's, Eric is probably 54 years old, right? And really? seen 187 yeah. movies. Yeah, I don't know. Well, and, and maybe maybe he's not even a listener. Maybe he just engaged on social media. He saw the question and, and answered. So uh, if you are listening, Eric, you already know how I feel about what you said. Uh, if you're not listening, Eric, this is for everyone else out there. Go find Eric and, and send him send him my way. Random question. How many movies do you think you've watched? Oh, man. I don't know. Right. That not that an interesting... It's a, it's a question you don't ever get asked. 500? I don't know. How old am I? 30. Ugh. Jeez. Um, it's an interesting question. Isn't five it? a year. I mean, five a year. I watch more movies than five a year. Ten a year is... I don't know. It's a, it's a great question. Yeah, it's, tell you. You, don't ever, you don't ever get that question. Hey, how many movies have you watched in your life? <laughs> uh, it reminded me of a fun, another funny movie moment that's probably not safe for this podcast. Um, all right, are we, ready, are we ready to move on from movies? Uh, I, the last piece on this, okay, which, which is amazing to the human brain that I think everyone should consider. Isn't it amazing how many things you can store in your brain, how many movie lines and plot lines, right? as well as music lyrics. Yeah. For you, you've got 400,000 other things that you're going to talk about, including Top Shot here in a second, update. Things in your brain that it's amazing that it can process all these things and remember. Yeah, I, I'm always surprised when, I, when a song comes on that I haven't heard in 15 years and you just pick it up like like they're, like no time at all. I mean, if, if you started playing As Long As You Love Me by the Backstreet Boys, I mean, I probably haven't heard that song since I was... 13 or 14. And I could, I could give you the whole thing. So um, yeah, no, uh, you, you, your mind, the brain is a, just a fascinating, maybe that's another just episode is the human brain. Oh, you get me jazzed up about the human brain. I mean, between, between that Backstreet Boys song and, and O-Town, I mean, you probably listen to O-Town though. No, I listen to O-Town daily. Yeah. Okay. Got it. It's how I start my, it's, it's, it's my alarm clock is, all or nothing by O-Town. Yeah. So it's, it's every day. Yeah. It's always fresh in the brain. All right. Moving on from the human brain, uh, NBA top shot update. So I did promise you all our listeners that I would investigate that I would uh, try and get my hands on a pack and that I would report back. So I'm pleased to report that uh, number one, I have purchased three moments, three NBA top shot moments in the last week. I'm now the proud owner of, uh, I can't remember what they are. That's good. Uh, a Karis Levert stealing layup, so I'm I'm banking on I'm banking on Karis Levert getting healthy, coming back with the Pacers. Did you get a pick? Did you get a pick these or were these random yeah, moments? I picked, that, yeah, that I went. I went into, so you, they have what's called a marketplace, yeah. and the marketplace is where you list your moments for sale. Um, and, and so you, you know you can go search a specific player, you can see what moments are out there, how rare they are, and then you know find something that that's comfortable for you price wise and. Uh, and, and make a purchase. So uh, Karis LeVert, number one. Uh, number two, uh, I have OG Ananobi handles. So, you know, OG Ananobi is only 23 years old. I think he could get better. He might have a little value there. And then uh, my third one. Oh, the handles, is that just him dribbling? It's just him. Yeah, well, it's him. And then he, he dribbles and then he finishes at the basket. Yeah. Okay. You cross somebody up? Uh, I think so. I, I don't know. I haven't watched it since I bought it. And then number three is uh, Trey Young layup. So I, so Karis just, LeVert, a, just a layup. That's yeah, it. but it's like a fancy layup. Like it's not just like a, you know, he does something cool before it. Um, like an up and under or anything? I, I don't know. I, I don't remember. I don't have my, I don't have the moments cataloged in my brain yet. I understand, but you bought these three things and you now you have no idea what's even on them. You looked at them once. All right, Trey. So I'm watching it right now. Trey Young, he's got uh, Ennis Cantor uh, dribbles, just throws up a floater. Okay, so it's so it's over the top of Ennis Cantor, who's a tall guy. Trey Young, not a tall guy. So there's 
So that's the that's what makes it special, I guess. Where do you store these? They're, it's just in uh, it's just on the NBA Top Shot website. Hmm. Yeah. So so uh, three moments, and then I did I tried to get in on the pack drop. Uh, well, first it was Thursday, and then they had technical difficulties, and then it became Friday, and uh, they had ten thousand three hundred and seventy packs available or something premium packs. Uh, 160,000 people in line for those packs. I was number 82,615. So I did not make the cut for the 10,000. Over the weekend, though, they did a pre a pack pre-order where anyone who wanted a pack could go in and pre-order one that, that apparently will be in inboxes in the next two weeks. And I did uh, get my pre-order in. So hopefully sometime between now and the middle of March, I'll be getting that base pack and open in some exciting moments is it one moment is it three moments six moments per pack. six moments yep yep but they but you know they got to be you got you got to find the rare ones that's where the money is you got if they're a common moment you're, you don't have as much value there for folks tuning in that have no idea i was gonna say income that they would like to oh okay invest in the in the top shot how much how much do these six moments run you well that pack was nine dollars the premium pack the premium pack that dropped on friday was 99 dollars because that was a that was a higher level set of moments theoretically Hmm. it's all it's all over the place right is it that's a much different scale so you're hoping for a lottery ticket in there i I would let i would like to get my hands on a zion moment but they're just a little a little pricey for my taste. Of course, obvious. I mean, Zion, but keeping an eye on him, seeing what the market does here. Just kind of, I mean, that's, we talked to Jed, we talked to, we talked to BK, you know, they would probably advise against it, but um, you, you just got to sprinkle, sprinkle a little bit of money everywhere. Just see what's, see what's out there. I appreciate you being an intrepid reporter on this matter. Investigative Teak Nation podcast reports on NBA Top Shot. All right. Anything else we need to talk about before we get to rule of three here? I'm, I'm excited about this rule of three. Let's do it. All right. So uh, the, the, the basis for this list here is that Donnie was a little harsh on the city of Philadelphia last week. I thought Um, not any harsher than I was on Eric T just a few moments ago, but we we did zach was in philly and donnie shared a little bit of disdain for the for the city so i do uh, not that we're going to redeem anything about philly right now or apologize because I, I don't think that's necessary but i did want to rule the three uh and and talk about your favorite american cities because we know what your least favorite american city is so let's so let's do your your top three american cities ready i'm ready when you are yeah Just no ready. no particular order all three very, very strong cities. All right. New York City, LA, Houston. Houston. Huh. Those are three of the four largest cities in America. Big city guy. They are when great you, cities. When you say Los Angeles, I know that you mean this, but just for our listeners, you mean the greater LA area. All the the beach, you know, Manhattan Beach, Newport Manhattan Beach, El Segundo, Venice, like everything, not just like yeah. downtown Los Angeles. Well, I don't know that anyone, when they say any particular city, means just the downtown, right? If you say you like Indianapolis, which we both love Indianapolis, we don't, we're not talking about downtown. We're talking about the greater Indianapolis area. Yeah, but I, I associate Indianapolis with, with downtown Indianapolis. I don't necessarily associate LA with downtown Los Angeles. Well, let me break a little news to you when it comes to Houston. Houston proper is about an hour and a half drive from yeah. north to south. Side to side. So, yeah, so when I say Houston, it literally is an hour and a half's worth of drive, which is great. All right. Mine are somewhat similar to yours. So my number one, I will I will do it in particular order. My number one favorite city in America is New York City. So uh, I just can't get enough of it. Have Joe on the podcast today. That's a that's a crazy coincidence. But New York City number one, number two, San Diego. So about an hour to six hours south of LA, depending on traffic, but uh, San Diego beaches, everything just wonderful. Love it. Number three, you're not gonna like this one. I thought long and hard about it because I have some honorable mentions as well. But number three slipped in here: New Orleans, Louisiana. 
Well, I like New Orleans. I did not think that you were a New Orleans fan. Yeah, I love I love the food there. Now, I I will tell you this: I, I have enjoyed when we go to New Orleans in December versus going to New Orleans in August. Yeah, because I can actually breathe. But uh, yes, I love the city of New Orleans. Great okay. people, great vibe. Well, my 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 one great caveat: food. great food. That's why I mean, let's be honest. You just want to go to New Orleans for the food and Mark Romick. That's correct. Uh, and Zion. My my caveat was that. My first two cities, New York City and San Diego, I would I would live in. I would have no issues packing up and moving to either of those for different reasons and going to get different experiences living in both of those. I don't think that I could live in New Orleans. Great city to visit. Love you, Mark. Love you, Brad. All of you guys down there that have made homes and, and lives in New Orleans. But I don't forget about JT. Don't forget our, our yeah. chapter brother, JT. Yeah, we there's we got a we got a lot of a lot of friends and family down there. Um, but I just, I don't think that I could, could pack it up and go live in New Orleans full time. My, my honorable, I did, you know, I have a number of other favorite cities. Wanted to shout out some honorable mentions, Boston, honorable mention, um, great food there. Obviously the Red Sox who we all love. Uh, and then two Northern cities that don't get enough credit because they're cold weather cities, Milwaukee and Minneapolis. Those are both very, uh, very nice downtowns, really good food really good beer, social scenes, fun. So Minneapolis and Milwaukee are both very, very good cities that just, I think, get kind of shut out of the best city in America conversation because they're uh, sub-zero for about four months out of the year. But yeah, Minneapolis has a great vibe. Two good ones there. Noticeably absent from both of ours, which which is surprising, Chicago. Being Midwest, I mean, Chicago is like the, the Midwest Mecca when you're growing up. Yeah, I think I... We got to be careful here. We don't get ourselves uh, shut out of Chicago, but it's it. There's a lot of pride from people that live in Chicago, right? That Chicago is the greatest city ever. Right. It gets a bit overhyped. It's it's a nice city. It's okay. Chicago. It's okay. Chicago's it's okay. okay. Yeah, it's okay. With all due respect, we forgot to say with all due respect at the beginning. Is that no? Then we're then we're clear. Yeah. Then we're right. yeah. With it, all it, respect, it's not a bad city at all. It's not a bad city at all. But. It's, it's hyped to be what LA and New York is, and it's it's not. Yeah, that's true. Good point. It is on a lake. A lot of people get excited about Lake Michigan. Before we get to Zach here, uh, we do we do have the Teak Corner. Any Teak Corner news that you want to – we talked a little bit earlier uh, about, about the fraternity, but um, anything else in the Teak world that you want to make sure we, we mention here, Don? We're starting the fourth quarter here, and I don't care what sport get the it is. Up. Get your four, get your four fingers up. I don't care what sport it is. Fourth quarter is where it is, and so for all of our groups out there, our volunteers, if you're someone who is only engaging in fraternity, if you listen to this podcast, there's obviously a lot of ways that you can contribute, both in terms of time, talent, and treasure. Now is the time, these last three months, to push, push, push to get through what has been an unbelievably historic year in terms of circumstances, but to also set us up for the future. And for our groups, if you've not recruited as well as you want, it's a chance to do another recruitment. If you've gone and crushed it in terms of recruitment, now it's our job to retain those folks, to educate those folks, to be very creative and innovative in the tools, to make sure those guys are having a great experience, and also to provide a great experience for those graduating seniors, again, in a very unique year. Our, we have to, as an organization, every level, from the international headquarters level, volunteers, collegiate members, continue to look about how you can engage and grow the experience and the value of being a Teak. And there's a number of ways to do that. Obviously, there's the in-person experience, there's the online experience, there's the ability to utilize tools like Zoom, use the podcast, connect, create relationships and expand relationships in ways that have never been done before. But it really is that focus aspect. If folks treat this experience as something that is not critical to them, obviously it will not be critical to them. If they invest in it, if they engage in it, I, you and I are the benefactors of what the Teak experience can do for you and, and the opportunities that we've had. Heck, we just sat here and had a conversation about our top three cities. You and I would never have been able to go to, to those three cities and have those experiences and all the relationships if it weren't for Talk App Epsilon. So I really want folks to take advantage of these last, this last quarter, these last three months, to push and to get the organization where it needs to be. Everybody plays a role in that. Obviously, I play a role in, in leading and directing that. You would do as well, Al. But 
let's not let's not uh, be confused here. All of our volunteers who put in that hard work on the ground, all of our groups that are pushing, all of our, our, our alumni out there, you are the reason why we have such a phenomenal organization and we need you here in this fourth quarter. Yeah, I think without Zeke, our, our three favorite cities would probably be Indianapolis, Bloomington, Indiana, and I mean, maybe like Evansville, Fort Wayne, perhaps. So uh, maybe Chicago would have cracked the, the rotation Chicago there. Chicago definitely would have, because you get in a car and be in Chicago. Sixth grade field trip I took up for the day, hit the aquarium. Um, yeah, I the only thing I would would add is is keep recruiting. I mean, the I know that quote unquote rush weeks have concluded in a lot of places. That doesn't mean that recruitment is over. And one of the first things that you are taught when you join the fraternity is rush is 24-7, 365 but we don't do it all the time. We just let our, we, we do our rush weeks. We help guys show up and then we give bids and then we educate and then we move on with our lives. That 24, seven, 365 recruitment has to happen right now because there are goals that aren't being hit. There are metrics that, uh, that chapters are not getting. And, and when I say that, I mean, for themselves, goals that they set for themselves that they haven't hit because of the circumstances keep recruiting, keep meeting guys, keep giving out bids, keep, it doesn't matter. You know, if, if, if the reason you're not trying to give out any more bids is because you've already started new member education, I'm pretty confident in, in your ability, whether you're a volunteer, an officer, or whatever your position is to catch a guy up for two weeks of, of teat guide readings that he missed. If it means getting someone to join the fraternity right now and not trying to push him back and wait until next semester. So keep going with rush. It's not over. Uh, we still have three full months left before the fiscal year ends. There is plenty of time to still bring in new members, add them, educate them, and get them initiated so that you don't have to worry about losing them over the summer. Yeah. People want to feel special. What a way to make somebody feel special than to keep recruiting them after after the recruitment week is over, after rush week is over, right? So you get out there and say, hey, yeah. you're, you're worth us putting in some extra work, you and the three of your friends, or you and this group of six, eight folks. We believe that you're important enough and special enough that we're going to keep getting after it and, and doing all we can to show you why this is going to change your life and make it better and help you to grow your potential. Good segue there to our resident recruitment expert, Zachary Scott, as he joins the call here. What's up? What do you got on your hat there today, Zach? That's a Tampa. That's the University of Tampa, man. That's a Spartan. Yeah, it is a Spartan. Check that's that. Not, that's Check not the university colors, though, is it? Yes. Yeah. Red, white, black. Gracious. You, you were, understand this? You know what we have, Zach? We have an elitist. Green. We have an elitist on our hands. I and it's they were hard green. Because it's hard because we're on the podcast and folks can't see that at, that Swins is wearing a USC polo, which I love. Beta Sigma. They know that. Come visit every year. Sad I can't come this year. One of my favorite cities, LA. But some of us also ventured down to great universities like the University of Tampa, which is your home group, Zach. And you look great with that hat. Thanks. I, I appreciate it. I'm sure the, uh, the listeners at Epsilon Beta uh, appreciate it as well. Well, if they are listening, let's get another 100 listeners down there, folks. Let's tell your friends, tell your family. This is an engaging, entertaining program. I thought they were green. I thought they were green. Um, all right, Zach. So you're home. Is that correct? Or that did is you just correct. I'm in my, my little photos and your backdrop and transport it. You pack yeah, it. I wish. I need to just take a picture of it and then I can upload it anywhere I am in the world. Um, and uh, yeah, no, I'm in my little uh, cubby hole. Well, I'm, I'm glad you were able to, to get out for a little bit and hit, uh, well, Philly, as we've already covered on two episodes now and, and Donnie's thoughts on that. Zach, uh, so so my question for you today, we we bring in here shortly uh, Joe Santangelo, who's a content creator with Team Gary V. We asked Joe a little bit about you know, how to how to build a brand, how to market, um, and you know what he's learned throughout his career that could apply to our chapters. And I know we've asked you different versions of this question, but when you think you you talk a lot about building a brand on campus, I know as as a means to recruit. But if you're if you're looking at a chapter who the immediate connotation with that chapter on campus is negative, someone says you know hey, tell me about Teak. Go up to a random student, tell me about Teak on this campus, and they just roll their eyes or make a funny sound or just ignore you completely. Right? How do you take that where there might not be a good feeling or vibe about that chapter? 
and start to repair that brand on a campus to where now, as is the case with many of the groups you've worked with, you go and ask someone about Teak and oh, really cool guys. Oh yeah, we we hang out with those guys. We do philanthropies with them. We do social events with them, right? How do you how do you close that gap for groups that might be looking to try and enhance their brand on their campus? Yeah, I'd be curious what the content creator himself can uh, can spin you up. You have to listen to the Teak Nation podcast. That's that's correct. Um, if it was me, I would be doing everything in my power to to bring awareness to, to various issues, right? If there's a brand that that we don't, I guess, connect with, or if there's a serious disconnect in in one way or another, um, I would be leaning into those pieces. And how can we, right? How can we partner with various organizations on campus to maybe bring awareness to uh, drunk driving? Um, that's a, a major impact, I would say, on, on any college campus. How can we be doing seminars throughout the semester to impact that? How can we partner with um, maybe a sorority that um, their main philanthropy is something to do with domestic violence? How can we bring awareness to that issue? Um, I think a lot of it revolves around how can we do some of those pieces that we probably aren't doing, right? philanthropic pushes, other um, webinar, seminar um, pushes that we can be doing that are very simple and that a lot of us likely align with anyways. Um, How can we bring that awareness to the rest of our campus? How can we open that up to not just the Greek community, but the community as a whole for our university? Um, And having our name next to those is, I think, a a big first step, Um, as well as, again, some of the little things that that I I talk about with groups all the time of when you think of a, a great teak chapter and a great Teak member, it should be the guy who's holding the door open for people. It should be the guy who's engaging students and asking them how their day is going. Um, if someone looks like they're down, stopping by and 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 just asking questions. And if they don't want to talk, that's fine. Um, wish them the best and, and move along. But I think it's the bigger picture. How can we bring awareness to various issues on our campus? Partner for webinars, seminars, whatever it may be. Um, I think you do a couple of those things and you start to change, you, you grab control of the narrative a little bit better. And then you also have to have an introspective look at, at the group as a whole, right? If you have bad actors, if um, there are guys that don't, don't align with the values of our fraternity, you have to understand that you have the ability to take control of that situation and remove members. Um, I know that's something that Donnie has talked about a lot with us of how do we better empower our membership to realize there is the capability to remove guys. You, you, you're not powerless in these situations. You just have to do it the right way. Zach, if you could talk to your 19-year-old self right now about and, and, and have a conversation about recruitment, how differently would you attack recruitment you know, at, at 19 knowing what you know now? Yeah, the first thing I would do is something I tell every group um, – don't talk teak first. Um, stop leading in. The uh, fired up does a really good job, and and um, Alan, my buddies, uh, RJ, um, did a great job of covering. Don't be weird. Um, that's one of the, the fired up pillars. I would I would say, don't be weird. And what that means, right, is nobody understands what the three letters mean. Nobody understands what fraternity really is. They everyone has these preconceived notions, and it doesn't help when you're just pushing it down people's throats or you're doing these weird um, kumbaya things with, with all your fraternity brothers and all these inside jokes and, and so on and so forth. You can, the listeners can, can draw the, the pictures for themselves, but stop leading with the fraternity first piece and just build relationships. Again, doing that door opening and starting a conversation, doing that um, shaking of the hands, um, asking someone if they need a pen and maybe that's where you give them a, a teak pen, but that being it, right. And just asking them how their day's going, how they're prepared for class a lot of that, right? I mean, I, when I was 19, 20, um, whatever it may be as, as a recruitment chairman, it was, how can I talk to as many people as possible about the fraternity when it should have been, how can I go out and build as many relationships as possible, add them to my personal network, um, and then see right where that relationship goes from there. Um, so that would be the, the big piece. I would probably tell my 19 year old self, <clears throat> I know that pizza at, at the cafeteria is is included in your meal plan and it's probably the easiest grab and go food, but you're really going to regret eating it for three meals a day for, for a year and a half straight. So, right. I said recruitment advice. I didn't say life advice, food advice. I mean, let's be honest, you would have tried to create like 77 gambling options back then if you would have known and could talk to yourself. 
Yeah, we've, we've already talked about the blessing that it was to not have legalized sports gambling when I was a college student. Yeah, you basically, it would have been the plot of uh, Back to the Future 2, isn't it? That, yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Is it, is it the original Back to the Future or Back to the Future 2? I think it's Back to the Future 2 where he takes the, yeah, he takes the, the sports almanac, right? Yep, that is correct. Yeah, because then they go to the future. Um, yep. They yeah, go, you gotta wonder if Eric to, T. They go back. Yeah. To do, you think, do you think Eric T. has seen Back to the Future too? I don't know. I've, we've spent enough energy on Eric T. Eric T. Zach, just for your edification, there's your podcast word of the day. Um, Eric T. said that the worst movie he's ever seen is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which mm. I just yeah. wow. I can't vibe with. Yeah, I can't imagine many people would uh, would say that as their their worst ever movie. Well, the, the the point that we made was if he's only seen like three movies in his life, and you know it's Godfather Part One, Godfather Part Two, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, then that's a valid statement. But makes me have a, another question of why haven't you watched Godfather Part Three and then get the get the trilogy going? But well, I've never watched Part Three. I've only watched I've only watched one or two. See, here we go. Now, who's going to be put on trial? Go ahead, Zach. Wow. Ask the question. I- I Isn't don't three understand. Terrible? Can... Isn't three terrible? I just can't bring myself to watch it. Everyone says it's so bad. I, I, I personally don't think so. I, I think that if you're a fan of the Godfather trilogy, I mean, it's a trilogy. It's not. It's not a, a two movie set. It's it's a three three piece um, set. So I think you got to watch it. Um, yeah. Whether you like it or don't like it, you still got to watch it. You have to. Like it's like Rocky. I love Rocky, but Rocky Five. Ooh, Rocky Four. <laughs> five. Rocky Four. Four. I love Rocky Four. Yeah. Great one. Of the greatest movies ever. Rocky Five, whoo! They should have stopped after they took down Drago. Yeah. Should have stopped. Then we had to go after Tommy the Machine Gun. Yeah, it was not good. I agree with you. All right, Zach. Well, that was fun. We'll do it again next week. Sounds good. Take it easy, everyone. Go Spartans. Go Spartans. <laughs>
Good deal. I got into a discussion with Pete, Pete Dawson, for those listening who know Pete, um, something maybe you can help me clear up here. So uh, we say on Staten Island, correct? That's the, that's the correct term, not in Staten Island, on Staten Island. Oh God, is this a real discrepancy that people have? Like, this, uh, this, is what, this is what Pete and I talk about. My, my oh, confusion, I, I hear people say on Staten Island, but then I hear them say they're in Manhattan, but Manhattan's an island. So wouldn't, wouldn't you be on Manhattan as well? Donnie, thoughts? Yeah, no. I, I mean, I'm, yeah, Joe, Joe, just so you know, it was probably a 30-minute conversation. This was probably 28 minutes of it, and two minutes of it was like GameStop discussion with stuff. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, I like the GameStop talk, but no, I feel like I'm on Staten Island and I'm in Manhattan. There you go. And I, honestly, I get what you're saying, but like, I would definitely saying I'm going, yeah, I'm in Manhattan. I'm on Staten Island. Yeah, people people laugh when I bring it up, but then they think about it and they say, hey, that's a great point, Alex, which at the end of the day, that's all I'm looking for is, is just to make great points. You know what? <laughs> the irony of this conversation that we're starting out is that I feel like the whole thing that's happening here, Joe, is that Al has this giant hole in his heart that he hasn't been to Manhattan in, what's it, a year plus? Uh, yeah, a year, yeah. I'm not too far behind you. So I'm speaking from experience too here, but both of us just wanting to get the feeling of New York city. That's and, right. We can't, if know, we can't go to New York city, we'll bring New York city to the Teak nation podcast. Well, and I'll tell you this too, Joe. So the, the venerable grand Preetness is from Staten Island, right? He grew up Jim Hickey, Dr. Jim Hickey. He grew up in Staten Island. On and, Staten Island. Yes. On, Oh, sorry. He grew up on Staten Island. And so the last RLC we had, which would have been 2019, uh, after the RLC was over, he took myself and a few of us to Staten Island to his favorite Italian restaurant. Unbelievable experience. Do you remember the name of the restaurant? I want to say, this is horrible. I, th- I don't want to say it's like Veronica's or it was like a single name. So this could be anything. Oh man, no. <laughs> Any single Italian name that's like half the restaurants. <laughs> I know, that's horrible. That's horrible. I would say it was unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable food. Unbelievable. I'm glad you guys, I'm glad you guys like the homeland, but I mean, yeah, no. So first, first question for you as we, as we get into it, you know, I'm curious, uh, you're in the, the marketing and the content creation field. That's a, seems like a pretty popular way to go right now, whether you create content professionally or people who are creating content on an amateur level, trying to become a professional. What was it about that field that, appealed to you that you wanted to get involved in this as a a full-time job and and build a career out of it? Honestly, I took a couple of media classes of like, and they would go over like, because when I was a little kid, I was always interested in like cartoons and television and like thinking, oh, like what's the best lineup on a TV network? So like after taking media classes, that was the only thing that was exciting to me. But after being in college for years, even while I was in Teak, like my main thing is like, how, what am I actually going to do with this? Like, okay, I'm going to school to get this piece of paper. And then what happens after it? Like, I, like I had this delusional idea that you get out of college and it's basically like a job pass and you just walk into a job. And it's like, it took me to my senior year and I was the T president at the time, the Preetness, and really just realizing like, okay, what am I going to do with this? Where video editing was the only outlet I saw of like a tangible skill I could do that like made sense so I literally in my senior year I took a video editing class that you did not it was not a requirement to take and I asked for like a laptop for my graduation Christmas like all three like birthday all the presents and I taught myself to edit in the back of this class because they were going a little too slow for me and then, it, then after, like, there's the skill of video editing, and then there's, okay, what do people use this for? Where they either make things that people appreciate, like movies, television, or they use it to sell stuff. And that is honestly how I discovered Gary V, because it was just right into the, okay, how are people using this skill to sell stuff on the internet? So you mentioned, mentioned your Teak experience a little bit, and, and I think there's, there's some tie-ins between what you learn in the fraternity and, and just the fact that you had the drive to teach yourself a skill and then go monetize that skill. But how did your, how did your Teak experience, what you were able to do as a member at Upsilon Lambda, how did that contribute to your success and, and lead you down a path that you, you, you're going down today? So it's like Teak 
when I found Teak and I almost like stumbled into it, I didn't know what frats were. I didn't know like anything. I, the only reason I even think I went through with it is because I went on the Teak website and I saw that the wrestler, the big show was a Teak. <laughs> and I literally, cause I'm a big wrestling fan. And I was like, oh, so some people were actually like part of this. So it's not just some random group that like these people at school want me to join. And, but it was probably the best thing that ever happened to me in college because I needed the social education more than I needed the classes almost. It's like the social infrastructure that Teak provides where it has its own little, cause it's like, every job you go to in your life is going to have a hierarchy of some sort. It's going to have a leadership structure and you're going to have to listen to the leadership and there are going to be people in different committees responsible for stuff. So Teak was like the archetype for like me learning almost what the real world, like aspects of the real world. And <laughs> it's almost like, you know, we're, we're an engine. So like I was the treasurer for a little bit. So like as the treasurer, I had to learn, okay, well, this is why we need money to pay for stuff. And this is the stuff we need. And this is how the whole circle goes around. So without that experience in college, I don't think I would have, like, I would have been as advanced social, like the social skills I needed to make relationships in the real world that led to my professional quote unquote success was formed in Teak. Joe, before I get into my to my first question for you, I, I did get a text from the Grand Prix and I reached out to him. The restaurant we went to is Angelina's, which he said is in the Tottenville section of the island. I've been to Angelina's. It is a phenomenal restaurant. Amazing. So I'm, gl I'm glad we cleared this up. Now oh, we skip me too. respect. It, it was weighing on me. Yes. Is Angelina, did Angelina's drop us a check for, for a little advertising, a little hey. a 30 second spot on the TV or, podcast? Or just, you know, get some pasta out this way or, you know, mm. all sorts of opportunities. It was. Whew. I'm going to send them the clip after and try and get my cut. Don't worry. There you go. Good man. So, so Joe, uh, you talked a little bit about your experience in the fraternity. Can you talk about your professional experience? I mean, someone working in such a, I would say almost a dream scenario in terms of a position, a job, you know, what you do, it's something obviously that is great to have on a resume, but also just interested in the folks hearing what you do and the type of experiences that you have in your, in your current role. So, I mean, so I work on team Gary V like, like probably I have discovered Gary, as I said, like right when I was graduating from college in around 2016 and I, regardless of whether I was a video editor, like for what, whichever organization, Gary's content was almost in the back of my head. Whereas if it was a company I was at, where it's just like, oh, it's not being run the way I think it should be. And almost in my head, it's like, why isn't this more like Gary describes VaynerMedia <laughs> as being on his podcast? And I guess I just always knew, like, I always knew, I always like heard what he was saying. I was like, no, that's right. Like I felt it, even though people I know in my life were like, no, that guy, like that guy's a charlatan or that guy's a whatever. Like, you know, there's so many voices out there on social media. Like I get it. So the way I got on team Gary is I was working a really like bad job right before this. Like I was in a, I was in a video studio, but it was just archaic, like really old technology wasn't going anywhere. And I finally had enough after a year and a half and quit. And on my last day in the last hour, I saw the, and at, like, I saw the job posting for team Gary V which I was lucky enough that I had been working on my own wrestling Instagram. Like, as I've mentioned previously, I'm a wrestling fan. I had been almost using the Gary V model in my head of, okay, make a daily wrestling video for this Instagram. So like right place, right time, preparation meets opportunity. In the last hour, I, from my wrestling Instagram, sent the team Gary V page a DM because I saw this app. I immediately applied and it all like then you go through the process it all went through they like me it's been it was <laughs> it's been i started there about a year ago so it's been a good year i'm i'm curious and i i agree with you in terms of the way that that gary talks about vayner media and and vayner x and and how they operate it, it appeals to me and and i love hearing him talk about it how does 
how does Gary and how, do, how does his executive team create that atmosphere? How do they create that environment that A, people want to be a part of, but then B, people get in and they get the best out of the, the individuals that they have on their team? I would say it's like the first word that came to my mind is almost religion and that it's like literally the things that Gary talks about in his content are the pillars of that he is as a person like he 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 backs up what he says like he's the same person 24 7 because you can't talk that much and not be the person you are that's right. the best part of putting out a lot of content combined with like he really cares about the people he who work for him and is accountable to them so the same thing i thought when i was at other jobs and i was like why aren't you run by vayner media i got to vayner media and i was like oh it's run exactly like we you said three years ago on your podcast well, go figure so i i think just like oh listen i think there's always a fine line with some employers between like accountability and then like almost like pushing them too far and i've worked for people that was more like okay it's just the bottom line. It's the, okay, it's about the business. It's if what you're doing is beneficial to the business, then it's good. And if it's not beneficial to the business, it's bad. Vayner Media very much cares about the people who work for it to where if it's not something even in the best, like if it's in the best interest of the person, that is the priority. So I think that's the thing. A lot of companies, like, I don't want to generalize, right? But a lot of companies, are so involved in what they're doing that sometimes the people problems get glossed over. What's been the, the biggest surprise, Joe, in, in working for, for Gary Vee? I mean, I mean is, there, is, there, was, is there an area where you've grown even exponentially more than you thought you possibly would have walking in the door? Jesus. Yes, yes, yes. Oh my God. I was a freelancer before this. And let me tell you, if I put out the same level of content that I put out, I've put out in the last year on Team Gary V as a freelancer, my freelance career would have been would have ended differently. Like, I think there's just something about being in the environment for growth with the creative people and like not a crazy timeline. Like, okay, you have time to think and grow and then do it every day. That's the thing, the consistency factor is like. I'm doing, I'm learning a process. I'm doing that process every day. And then I'm brainstorming with people who are in depth in that process. And then the final thing is passion. Like I really love what I do. And I love, the thing is, is like, I, I'm, I'm really simple. I like three things for the last couple of years. I like Gary V content, I like pro wrestling and I like Bitcoin. And right now I'm making Gary V Bitcoin videos. So it's like, I'm the happiest guy on earth. Like I'm so if you know what you love and what you love to talk about, then almost like the path stuff like to that thing starts to illuminate itself. Yeah. I was reading, I was reading a book recently uh, and they, they talked a little bit about this concept, what you're mentioning about passion. And the thing that they highlighted as well is find the thing that you have talent in and you have an interest in, right. You have to marry those two. Cause a lot of people think, well, just chase your passion. Well, if your passion is to be an NBA player and you're five foot two, like, right, that's probably not going to work out for you. So follow your passion in something that, you know, you have some talent in and, you know, the world can be your oyster. And it sounds like that's, that's what you found in the past year. Yo, but you know what the best thing is? Like, I love that. And I think there's something to that. Like, all right, if you're five foot two, don't try and be a basketball player. Right. But I really see like the five foot two person who really believes they can be an NBA player and just documents it every day. Like, all right, I'm here at five in shooting hoops. Okay, I'm at the tryout. The one time that guy makes a basket in a professional game, it'll mean more than any basket that any mid-level play. So I think honestly, if you are true to what you believe in, like the people in this world that even I disagree with, if I believe that they believe themselves, to me, that's like a notch up of respect because it means... Like, you know who you are, you know what you're doing, why? One, one of the, one of the things I'm curious about from a, from a broader perspective is, you know, your role now and in, in your really career up to this point has been on building content that people want to consume and, and how can you get the most, how can you get the most eyes on a video or how can you get the most ears on a podcast? And I think that there are some applications there 
for our members and for our chapters, because we know that the groups that that build a strong brand on their campus that are able to get the most eyes on their Instagram page and are able to get the most people interested in, in their rush events, those are the groups that are successful. So what would you tell a group that maybe has struggled to get that foothold on campus who's trying to build that brand? What are maybe some some techniques or some thoughts or ideas that you have learned throughout your career that could also apply to a TEAK chapter? I almost want to lead with the same word I did with the last question, and that's religion. And that I really think that you need to make a religious culture about providing value in your content. So it's like the only reason you will watch or listen to anything in this never ending sea of content is because you think it will provide you something, some kind of value. So I need people to think a little bit selfishly and so why do I listen to content? What am I trying to get from people or from this thing, whether it's making money, whether it's a better skill, whether it's like history. Teak provided a lot of that to me through experience. And then the goal with content needs to be providing like little bits of that to draw them back to you. Because the real experience is the group, it's like, it's the group in the room, you know? It's it's 10 dudes sharing their stories, learning together, trying to do something. So it's like, on one hand, it's hard to provide that real person-to-person experience through a social media post, but you can tell like stories like mine or stories like people in your chapter who have seen that value, who have gotten that value, conveying that, like, because at the end of the day, again, you won't listen if you don't think it's going to give you anything. There's too much out there. Joe, do you have any any great stories from your experience in the past year? Anything that stands out as, you know, either an experience on your team or if you were have engaged with Gary at all, just any stories that stand out? Honestly, I I mean, like my first answer is I have hundreds. Like I can go on for hours about like stories of Teak and Team Gary and my like life. But I'll say that one thing that I really admire Gary is that I, I've talked I talk to Gary on a work basis, right? But I've had like a couple like real conversations and like there was one time where I was really trying to get a word in at the end. Cause like, I just wanted one more question. You know, Gary's kind of my idol. Like I just, one more question. And he said like something to the tune of like, Joe, I see you're about this life. Like, well, if this will happen again, I see you, Joe. And that one line, like, I see you, Joe. I don't know if you've ever been seen by the person that you respect. Like just to be told that like, you've been seen like you're there from someone who you really respect, but that's a feeling that I really wish on everyone. I think that's, that's a pretty, pretty awesome story. And, and uh, I agree with you on trying to find that feeling, trying to find that person that you can connect with that can, can bring you that, you know, I'm curious. My last question, Joe, is, are you saying when I give you a compliment that doesn't. (laughs) Well, I've, I've, I've had, you know, you've, You've, you've dished me three or four compliments in the time, the seven years that I've been on staff. So it's, it's just kind of old at this point. How did those feel? I mean, it's, how, repet- how it's repetitive. The first, the first one was great. Two and three were, were, oh, wow, this is, this is nice. And then four is just like, all right, like I get it, buddy. So. Uh, That's so why yeah, I stopped. That was, that was about three years ago. Last on, one. I remember. On to the next one. Um, my last question, Joe, is, is, um, you know, You've obviously, you, right now you're working on a team, you're working for Gary V. When you think about what's next for you, whether that's becoming a, leading your own team or, or starting your own company or whatever that might be, following the wrestling content creation path, I think you've shared a lot of really good lessons that you've learned in, in the last year alone, but you know, what's going to stick with you as you become that guy that maybe someone else looks up to, that maybe someone else wants to work with in the future? You know, how are you going to take what you're learning now and apply that throughout the rest of your life as a leader? I think what really sticks with me the most right now is, and I'll repeat something I said, is that like the people I respect the most in this world are the ones who believe what they say, 
who know what they're about and who don't deviate from that. So it's like, I mean, I don't want to go off on a tangent, but like, like whether they're, whether they're like political people, like, I, like someone like a Bernie Sanders is someone who believes in everything he says, whether I agree with what he said or not. But like, there are people on the right who I could also agree with who like, who even if I, they have a completely different opinion, I know they believe in what they're saying. So I just think that, I think you have to know what hell you're willing to die on. But then the second thing is, you got to give a fuck about other people. Or I'm sorry, I don't know if we can curse on this, but you got to care. We'll bleep it. We, you got to care about other people. Like, if you don't care about other people first, then you're going to get exposed and everyone's going to know. And that's the cult, like that, say what you want about like cancel culture. I honestly think it's like a backlash against people almost being the other way of like, oh, I like there's, so many people have not cared about people and it's gone unnoticed that it's created a societal backlash of people who need to like, oh, no, no, no. Like people need to care for each other. And sometimes it goes too far. Like some people, some people get really annoyed, like it becomes anger of people need to care for each other, but it's like people need to care for each other and people need to be honest with what they say. Be honest, be nice. <laughs> like I feel like it's right. basic lessons we probably should have all learned in kindergarten. Be, yeah, be genuine, be authentic, and be nice to other human beings. I love that message. Um, yeah, man. What, what message I always like to end, Joe, and, and essentially give people the platform, which is you know, the ability to speak to, to all of Teakdom, all of Teak Nation. You know, do you have any messages, any themes, any, and you've shared a number of them in, in this interview, uh, you know, things that either you learned through, through your Teak experience or even through Gary Vee, just any message you would give to anybody listening out there, whether they're a collegiate members still thinking about that career and what, what, as you talked about, right, that job that could be there when post-college or even any of our alumni frauders who are out there tuned in and, you know, want to take advantage of the knowledge and experience you've gained. So much, man. Um, I would say, I would say like, it's so like, I don't want to just say believe in yourself. Right. I think it's like, you have to learn how to believe in yourself. Like, and that's tough because it's like you almost got to go to the dark place and find out why you don't believe in yourself. Because so like that was my get up is like I did not believe in myself for too long in my life where like I realize now I see where I'm at now and I look back and I was like I was always capable then I'm still capable now but there's just all these things that happen that make us doubt ourselves and whether it's something from a parent from when you're little or whether it's like a girlfriend from when you're older. And it's just like, once, once, I guess my, one of the best things I learned from Gary is once you shut out other people's opinions, positive and negative, it gets like, once it gets real quiet in your head, then it gets interesting. Then you like find out who you really are. Um, besides that, Black Lives Matter. Yeah, that's what I want to tell. That's what I want to tell Teak Magnation. Uh, <laughs> uh, believe in yourself. Be nice. Black Lives Matter. Those are my final message. Yeah. There you go. Beautiful. Well, I do want to. I think you. I think you have the first official f bomb on the Teak Nation podcast. So uh, I'd have lost a lot of money betting uh, not on myself, but uh, I, sh- I should have known it was going to come from Staten sure. Island. I guess that would that would have been the smart. Money. I was going to say there's there's a lot of stereotypes here. We got to be careful with. That. <laughs> also, also, guys, have you ever watched Gary V? Gary V curses like no, half my job. You know, out curses. We, we try and pick it. and choose what we pull, but I, yeah. I love it, but. Al wants this to be a family show. Yeah, there's kids. Li- no, I, I would be very surprised if one child has ever listened to the TV. Our ki- so kids aren't allowed in the fraternity. We're we're 18 plus here. <laughs> That's right. So we, yeah, we you know maybe maybe someone in the car they got it on their their kids in the back seat. That you never know. You just you got to be. I, we have we have people for that. Garrett Garrett will take care of it. Thanks, Garrett. Wherever you are, I'm sorry I caused you more work. I've been that guy, and I really, like, honestly, dude, like, my bad. I think, I think Donnie's caused Garrett content. enough work for yeah. three lifetimes, so I don't think you have to apologize. From one content creator to another there. That was, that was <laughs> behind-the-scenes speak. All right, Joe. Well, we appreciate the time, man. Can't thank you enough. Uh, appreciate the insights, and uh, best of luck moving forward. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me. Absolutely.
I want to thank Joe one final time for spending some time with us. And I think there was a lot of really, really good information that he shared there. He talked a lot about obviously what he's learned throughout his career and throughout his time on team Gary V and, and really the lessons that he shared align pretty well with what we try and talk about on our staff and in our lives. And, and even occasionally on this podcast, any final takeaways from the interview there, Don? I want to thank Joe for his time. I, I think all of us have every once in a while, you know, dream or think about working for somebody like a Gary V who is, he has aspects of genius in him. Someone who is, you know, goes a hundred miles an hour. And obviously that's something that can be inspirational and motivational. And it's, it's great to hear Joe just talk about how much he loves Gary V essentially. Right. Like I, I, I worshiped at the throne of this guy and now I get to work for him. And I am even more excited about the experience. Too many times in life, you hear about folks who they really like a person, whether it be an actor, actress, business mogul, whoever it is, right? And they finally get a chance to meet them or a sports superstar. And unfortunately, the, the experience is far less than what they dreamed it would be. Sounds like Gary Vee has, has met the mark and even gone above in, in Joe's eyes, which is great to see. Yeah, it's the old uh, never meet your heroes adage. Uh, maybe, maybe a rule of three for the future, your top three heroes that you probably shouldn't meet because it probably just let you down tremendously. I get to meet my heroes, you know, every time we have a grand council meeting. So that's a smart play there for you. <laughs> that is a smart play. If you had to pick up your favorite hero in the grand council, which, which one would you select? Oh man. Ah, oh, goodness. Is, I just took you from the penthouse and we're going to go straight down from here. Take the elevator. It's hard to careful. Um, Cole Connor. That's C, a man of the collegiates. DAC chairman. I'm so inspired by Cole's daily words and deeds that I just, and, and I'll tell you what, the man that you think Cole is, he's everything that you could have dreamed him to be. So Cole, if you're listening, just thank you for inspiring me and the uh, rest of the grand council too. Anything else? I think that's a great way to end the episode on, on this absolute high. Good thing we plugged it at the end there. Everyone will be you know, done listening by this point. So, uh, all right. Please subscribe. Say every week. If you haven't done it by now, can't help you. Uh, subscribe. Smash the like button. Hit us up. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, believe we're going to be doing a little more audience engagement. Please don't drop any just ridiculous takes as we've uh discussed in great detail but uh, if you have anything you know that that you could add that could be productive to the conversation please do so and uh, we will we'll catch you next week enjoy the week everyone enjoy march enjoy spring goodbye